Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. everyone welcome to a special edition of tunnel vision lunch with a trojan we're back we got a special guest craig nivar he's the usc safeties coach came over from texas uh, i think you're gonna really if you haven't heard from craig before i think you're gonna really love uh, what he has to say coach uh thanks so much for coming on spending some time with us outstanding put a collared shirt on for you big, Col- big event yeah I, I did a collared shirt yesterday we had to like postpone so you guys oh, you're, good. To- you're good you're okay good. You're <laughs> i got my my maui shirt on yeah your show you do what you want <laughs> uh well so for people who don't know i mean you, you get the job early in the year a little before the pandemic i guess about a month or so and the pandemic hits um what's it been like transfer you know transitioning from you know texas to california and then pretty much the whole world kind of stopped yeah it was a whirlwind I and mean, we got here the very end of january uh get going off-season workouts all that stuff and then one day a spring ball and then Boom, it's all taken away. Um, thank goodness for, for all the virtual stuff we can do and how the world's adapted from that and, and gotten through that and then got the chance to get back here uh, the 1st of July and get back with the players and work and, and kind of go forward from there. Uh, my family's still in Austin. My daughter is a senior in high school right now. This is her senior year. Uh, was not going to go through the revolt of trying to move her out of her senior year, and that's fair to her to do that. Um, so I'm in my 600 square foot Taj Mahal right now. Um, we're going Fairfax and loving life. Yeah. So you're in your own personal bubble, I guess. Uh, exactly right. I got a, my bubble TV, refrigerator, barbecue pit. I'm good. We, I got to talk here. Let me pull this up. Uh, your barbecue pit, like that must have been, uh, you know, good for you as far as like, I don't know, getting it through this. Cause it seems like you're just, you're crushing it as far as barbecue stuff goes. What, what are, what's your secret there? No, I was just born in a little small town of Taylor, Texas, right outside Austin. And uh, the, the two things you get to do really well there are drink beer and barbecue. And obviously, barbecue is a little bit more productive for you than just drinking beer. So um, really been around some really good people that are good at that. Some friends of the family um, have barbecue places that are, that are world-renowned down there and stuff like that. And it all kind of started when I was cooking for players, when I was a young coach. And you'd have players come over and, and – uh, bring them over to your house and spend time with them, just hang out and uh, it kind of progressed from there when you're in your cooking for sometimes an entire defense of 30, 40 guys, you know, wow. burgers doesn't cut it. You got to do a little, little bit bigger things. So. 
Well, this is, so these are some ribs. Like they look amazing, but uh, do you have a favorite cut? And are you like a, a sauce guy, a dry rub guy? What, what are you like? Uh, if I've got to pick one thing, probably brisket, but just from, from where I'm at, uh, not a huge sauce guy. It, it's usually your, your meat should speak for itself. The sauce makes it better, but I'm, I'm a thousand percent believer in, in the smoke you use determines how good your barbecue is. The, the smoke that's from, I'm, I'm cheating right now. I've got a pellet smoker, which is not real barbecue. It's, it's okay. It gets it done, but real smoke uh, off, off of really good wood. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but that determines, in my opinion, your flavor and, and what's there. There's all different ways to do it. There's good parts of barbecue from all over the country. There's, you know, I'm not going to get an argument about this is better than the other and that type of deal. Um, but uh, it's fun. It's therapeutic. It's, it's hanging out. And it's, it's a, a, again, a way to really do stuff for the players. I've had opportunity to cook a lot for the players since I've been back. And, and I'm not going to brag. Ask those guys what you think, what they think of it. And, they're, they're better judges than anything else. I should have, I think, because we had Talanoa Hufunga on the show, and I don't think I asked him. I don't remember. I'm getting old. I forget stuff. But I don't think I asked him about the barbecue. I mean, might have. I don't know. But, like, yeah. I'm sure they're huge fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw there was one video you had. You had, like, this blowtorch, you know, getting the fire right and stuff. And so it's the right wood. Like, you need the right wood, right, to create the create the, the correct smoke and all that? Correct. We're, we're in central Texas, there's a wood. It's a version of oak. It's called post oak. And uh, not to bore you with the details, but basically you can buy this wood in degrees of how long it's been seasoned. So it's a certain cut of wood because Oak has so many different cuts that you can get. Uh, if you fall it down, it sits for a year. Then you slice it up. Then you set it away out of moisture for one, two, three, four, five years. And the longer the wood sits, the longer it seasons, the more it costs as well. But uh I try to contact some of the people that, that serve the, the big time barbecue joints in central Texas and try to buy some off those guys and, and use it accordingly. Wow. Uh, that's very complex. Nice. It's like yeah. aging your wine and there are certain barrels and stuff. You, yeah, you gotta I, age your wood. I, or, you know. I couldn't tell you what wine pairs good with anything. I can tell you what beer pairs, pairs, pairs good with, uh, sitting out and watching your uh, smoke get going and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, before we get into the football stuff too, I know you're a big, uh, baseball fan, I mean, sports are coming back. We well, we lost the NBA for a day or two, but it looks like that's going to come back. But for for baseball, what have you thought about the restart and some teams having to sit out? Like everyone's not played the same amount of games, and there's not fans. Like, what have you thought about what baseball's been doing? Uh, more than anything, I've been really impressed with the the level of attention to detail with that many guys traveling. I know there's been setbacks. I know there's been delays, but for the amount of games that have been able to be played and, and continue to be played and what's going on. I'm really impressed with that. I get a chance now, since I have free time, I got a hold of the, the MLB app that basically lets you watch any game other than for, for right now, the Dodgers and angels, but you can just turn those on TV and watch those. So I literally watch baseball from whenever it comes on till it ends at night and been very impressed with, um, the fact that they're doing what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so let's, we'll get into some football stuff. What was it like when you first, you know, I guess it was two weeks ago in a couple of days uh, that the, the big 10 did it. And then the pac 12, a little bit later postpones the, the football season. What was, you know, what, how did that hit you? It, you accept it. I mean, it, it's, it, it, you, it's a, it's a decision that's made far above 
my pay grade and and you got to trust those people to make those decisions and and do them for the right reasons i i understand the uh the reasoning behind it and, and what they did uh but it's like anything else as we told the players you know you train for things and and young men that are in the military train for missions and all of a sudden that mission gets recalled or it gets changed uh you've got to adapt you've got to improvise and be ready for when it happens so although yes we, we would love to be playing right now we'd love to be two weeks away from the start of the season whatever that is there's life lessons to be learned from this experience that are bigger than football and uh i put it on social media i was so damn fired up the day, next day at 6 a.m the safeties had had 6 a.m workouts every day since they've been back in july and uh 5:45, they started rolling in, coach. What's next? Let's go to work. And yes. oh, I'm sorry, taking, go ahead. taking taking something that's an extreme setback right now and learning that hey, in life, a canceled football season is not going to be the worst thing that's going to happen to you. Yeah. You know, how do you react to this? How do you respond to this? How do you uh, go forward? Uh, has been the message, and our players have handled it really well. Yeah, you mentioned you know going back to work the next day, and I know some fans on Twitter were sort of surprised, like why are they still working out? But it, it's it sounds like you guys are doing more of the extended off season. And just so people know, if you wanted to have a full football practice today, you can't. Like the, the LA County would not allow you to do that. Like you're still in these groups of like eight to twelve guys, right? Yeah, everything we do is is for for, for all the right reasons, eight foot of socially distanced. So in our workouts, we're eight feet apart. So. Press technique doesn't work as good when you're eight feet apart. Open field tackling doesn't work as good. So it's been really challenging and, and really eye-opening to try to create drills we can do that are progressing our players and at the same time being safe. Um, I know we've had a slight hiccup right now with the shutdown, but we, we went essentially 50 days of uh, very, very minimal positive tests. And that's a testament to Coach Helton, to our staff, to our administration, to the trainers, managers, everybody involved with this to keep our players as safe as we have is extremely commendable. And, and uh, at, at the end of the day, those guys you see in that picture right there, it's about their health and safety is the number one thing we're in this for. And um, based on where we're at in L.A. County right now and and great that great things are going the right direction, but they're not there yet. And. Uh, we've got to be smart. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like you said, you guys have kept the, the players safe. Once school started, there's some off-campus stuff, whatever, you know, it can kind of creep in there and they have to oh, shut wow. down a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like you have a game coming up. It's it's going to be different for SEC schools and ACC schools when they have to kind of uh, put on some delays. But what, what kind of stuff have you been able to do? Because there's also questions of, I, I'll put that picture up again, of a bunch of DBs, but at some point, like if you were going to play a game, you don't necessarily want all the DBs working out together because if, you know, then they might all have to be, you know, held out for a game. Um, so can you work with them? Like how much can you work with them in these offseason workouts? Uh, or, or is it mostly Zoom calls and things still? We still have, we've, we've got a lot of times during the day by the, by the NCAA rules of, of right now, we're on a, a 12 hour model where five hours a week can be spent towards on the field training. Um, and the remainder of the time can be spent either in the weight room and or in, in with two hours of meetings in there. Uh, to be honest with you, our guys are sick of Zoom meetings. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we were we, we were Zoomaholics from March until the 1st of July. 
and uh, that's a tremendous tool and everything else like that. But um, we, we still use those. We still implement those. But the stuff we need to do now is field-based work, fundamentals, teaching, and things that we can get accomplished in keeping those distances. And I, I the great thing about what we're doing right now is when a young man should test positive or anybody test positive, it's so easy to contact trace because you're in your pod. You only work out with your group. So if a young man were to test positive, you just really concentrate on that, that small group rather than that guy being with multiple groups and areas and, and things like that. And, and our guys have done a really good job off campus as well. Um, doing things smart, knowing where you're, know your surroundings, know your environment uh, and having your mask on. Yeah. Uh, just let people know um, I, there's, I can see the comments from Facebook and put them up on the screen. I can't necessarily, the, for some reason, YouTube's aren't working, but someone said, I can't talk. My mouth is watering when we we're putting up the, uh, the picture of the ribs and stuff. So yeah, you look at, follow uh, coach Navar, uh, coach underscore Navar. I got, that's a little bit too much, too much time on the pen. I should have took them off sooner. So. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, sorry. Well, that no, it's still good. It's there were some good. really good uh, pictures and stuff. Uh, but yeah, but so if you have uh, comments you're watching on Facebook, I'll be able to put them on the screen. I'll try to monitor. It's really hard to host and produce and uh, check out the comments too, but I'll try to look at the Facebook. Uh, right oh, that's okay. I'll try to look at the YouTube page. If there's some good questions in there, I'll, I'll grab those at the end. Uh, but we, we kind of mentioned the NBA thing. You have to, you know, work with your guys on, um, you know, the, the COVID stuff and being safe, but there's also the social justice issues and issues and stuff going on, uh, you know, with the NBA shutting down playoff games. I mean, they started this whole thing back in March too. Um, how has those conversations been with, with the players? They, they feel like they can get their voices out. I know they're not playing now, but, uh, right. and do they come to you for advice? Well, Co Coach Elton has done an amazing job when, when the social issues kind of uh, hit the crust of everything back you know, a couple of months ago or whenever that was of really allowing our football team to speak and have open, honest conversations. And, and us as coaches being there is, you know, what can we do to help? How, what can we do to stand with you, to assist you, to help you and, and really be someone they can talk to. Uh, but our athletic department has done a lot of great steps and in, in getting things done the right way. And, and uh, I've tried to do my best to express to my players at the end of the day, uh, this is just one guy, one ball-headed guy's opinion, but a lot of this comes from home. A lot of this comes from how we raise our children, how we teach our children, how we uh, can affect others and, and, and do that, and, and what they can do as ambassadors for USC to when they go to elementary schools, when they get around kids to, to, from the ground level up. Uh, uh, make this place a better place in every aspect. So um, it's, it's been, it's been unique and, and it's been, something's been very long overdue. The, uh, are there challenges? I mean, there's always challenges. There's a, you know, you're a different generation than the players, but you just came on the scene. Like there's, you're new to a lot of these guys. If, if you were still at Texas and you're talking to guys that you've coached for a few years, would that be, is that a little easier to do? Or how, I mean, how does that work knowing that there's a bunch of new guys that maybe don't know you as well? It's, maybe harder to talk about some off field stuff. Yeah. No, I, I think the very first thing you do as a coach coming into a, a, a brand new environment is that they don't care what you know, unless they know how much you care. And that's an old phrase, but it, it matters. Uh, I tell them when I walk in the door, you have my trust until you break it, but it's my job to earn your trust. 
You don't have to give me your trust right away. You don't have to believe what I'm saying right away. It's my job to show to you that, A, I care about you. B, uh, I care about what you are off the field as well as on the field. And it's not my job right now to make sure that you like me. It's my job that when you leave here that you love me. Uh, and, and that's kind of a, a different expression of, you know, with love, there's tough love. And I'm sometimes going to say things that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear them. Yeah. Uh, and it's not my job to constantly always pat you on the back, nor is it my job to always to get on you about things. There's a happy medium there. But at the end of the day, if you do not leave here a better version of yourself on and off the field, we have failed to do our jobs. Uh, when Coach Helton or whoever went in these young men's homes and recruiting and said, we're going to take care of your son. We're going to do what's best for your son. Um, I'm just picking up where we're at left off from someone before me. Yeah. And with another, you know, piece of advice that you need to give players. And this is another unique situation that not your fault. You just kind of thrown into it. There's players that are going to have to make a decision if they want to opt out. You know, we saw Jay Tefele as the only USC guy. We, you know, tell no Funga is going to probably have a decision. Some of the other guys, um, how do you approach that with the players? And they come to you, like, how, do you talk to them about that? Yeah, Coach Elton has had conversations with, with, with these young men. Our job as assistant coaches is to uh, further these guys, coach the heck out of them, get them where they need to be, get them the next step, get them better, all those things like that. And Again, when those times come uh, in the future, we'll have those conversations and we'll be candid about them and, and, and do what's best for the young man and everybody involved. Uh, but so much is changing. I mean, you wake up, who knows what next week is? Uh, based on what's going on. Who knows if games get played in a couple of days or weeks or whatever. I mean, it's so much is rapidly changing. Uh, let's take things day by day and see where they go. For guys like Talanoa or like Isaiah Polamau, they'd have an opportunity in the spring if you guys get a season. Is there things that they can show, you know, NFL scouts that just maybe it's only six games or something, but do you no, think that's yeah. still a good opportunity to yeah, show? Tremendous yeah. opportunity. I mean, any chance time, that you can get yourself on tape. Uh, it helps them, honestly, to be in a different system uh, because our system is slightly different than the previous. Not that that one was bad, but different systems show your flexibility. Of, okay, I, I get a new defensive coordinator of an NFL team. Can I switch systems and still be productive? Uh, what does this do for me? Where does the uh, gains I made physically and speed, strength, and all those things transfer to the next season? Um there's tons of benefit for these guys getting an opportunity to play this spring and, and putting on tape uh, how they've progressed and, and more importantly, uh, using that as a vehicle to help them going forward. More importantly, to uh, work their tail off and try to bring a, a, a championship back. Um, real quick, uh, this is, uh, did I hear Coach Navar recommend Redwood on Redwood's on the pit? Is that a? Uh... No, post post oak is the is the wood that I smoke with uh, the most. Uh, can't get it here, I don't believe. I I, I brought some back with me outside, and uh, when I moved my entire family here, this has happened before. The movers physically go, "You want that wood pile? You damn right I do." That wood, that wood pile goes before the couch. So, awesome. Uh, okay, so the post so oak. I mostly, use, I mostly use oak when I smoke. Okay. Post oak when you smoke. Uh, it's a little, little, you put that on a t shirt or something, you know? 
the so you only had one practice. You mentioned that earlier in the spring. Um, so we didn't really get to see sort of like any of your like philosophies. I know you ran some three safety looks when you were at Texas before. Was that something that was out of necessity, like personnel, or is that kind of working with Todd Orlando's scheme, like that tight front and stuff? How did, how did that work out when you'd use three yeah. safeties a lot? In in our well, that was our base package was was playing with three safeties. We evolved to four. We evolved to five. We evolved to six. Um, and that's what the NFL is becoming. When you look up and watch the Chargers beat the Ravens a couple of years ago with eight DBs on the field. When you look at the Patriots, you look at a lot of different teams playing with a lot of defensive backs in the field because the game has become more spread out. I mean, the NFL is, is for lack of a better term, a spread, uh, almost a Big 12 type of system. When you look at what Pat Mahomes is doing with the Chiefs and, and things of that nature, what the Saints have done for a long time with getting speed and space and doing those type of things. Uh, Coach Orlando's system is, is very versatile, to play with what we have best, to play to our strengths and, and do that. So if it's three DBs, four DBs, two DBs, four down linemen, three down linemen, whatever the situation calls for, it's highly adaptable. Um, and in the in the past five years, uh, I mean, we've had essentially almost five very different versions of a team in the three years at Texas with having – more experienced guys in 17, younger guys, hurt guys at the University of Houston, having a, a different crew both years there. And and uh, I think it speaks volumes for Coach Orlando's defenses. The past five years, uh, he's played the Heisman Trophy winner seven times. <laughs> and he's four and three against them. Wow. 2-0 uh, and oh against um, uh, Lamar Jackson. One and one against Baker Mayfield. One and one against Kyler Murray. And 0-1 and oh and against Joe Burrow. Uh, I'll put any coaches uh, out there uh, record against Heisman Trophy winners against that. That's pretty impressive. That yeah, for five, to play seven in five years is pretty crazy. Yeah. We won the lottery on that one. Yeah, uh, I know you have a good relationship with him. You're also working now with a new cornerbacks coach and and Dante Williams. And uh, you said like you're putting more safeties on the field. I don't know that might take some of his guys off, but how is that? relationship been or do you guys have meetings together or is it or like the safeties and corner separate or is it kind of one big group no we 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 meet separately just based on the the stuff going on right now but we've done a lot of stuff the last month or so we're doing stuff together uh as far as communication things like that dante's damn good i mean uh he obviously is a one of the best recruiters in the country but people lose sight of how good of a ball coach he is and, and i think that's that's the unique thing that he has that most people that are the quote unquote big time recruiters uh, may sometimes lack to be a good on the field ball coach. And uh, he excels at both. And that's outstanding. The relationship's been awesome. His energy, his juice, his passion is there. Same thing with Vic and, and uh, the, the defensive staff is blended extremely well. And uh, we're going the right direction. And, and uh, Coach Elton's done a really damn good job hiring a defensive staff. Does it help that you guys are, you know, same position, you know, group or whatever, but also a couple of dynamic recruiters? Everyone knew about, you know, Dante Williams and stuff coming in. And then, you know, just seeing how you were former recruiting coordinator and just your energy that you, we've seen before. Does it help that you guys are together? You guys are both out there, like just pounding the pavement and just recruiting at a, at, a, at another level that a lot of coaches would be. Well, I, our, our entire staff is doing a hell of a job. Dante is certainly, I'm, I'm, in, I'm nowhere near as good as he is. 
Uh, he does a tremendous job uh, with everything. But uh, uh, the, the department through Spencer and everything has been set up by Woody and Brandon, allowing the resources to be put towards that that, that sorely needed to be there. Uh, and we're still getting to where we need to be with all of that. And, uh, you know, it's going the right direction. The other guy that that uh, does not get enough credit for how he's recruiting right now is Coach Elton. He's doing a hell of a job as far as taking this time. And, and uh, since we've gotten here, uh, been a tireless guy. I mean, there'll be a day you look up and he's got, you know, 35 to 40 guys he's connecting with FaceTime-wise, call-wise, things like that. And, and, oh, by the way, he's also got a head, he's got a head ball coach job he's got to do. He's got to deal with pandemic situations, this, that, and the other. And it, 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 at any time, um, I could call him up at 1130 at night and say, hey, coach, can you, can you talk to this guy? Can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, and it's done. Not everywhere I've been is, was, that, was that the case. And he's, he does an outstanding job of it. So, but going back to the original part of, of the staff and, and Dante, Dante sets the tone as far as recruiting and, and uh, he's got a tremendous asset as far as his connections out here and people he knows. And, and uh, that's helped me a ton with kind of getting my foot in the door meeting people and, and, and building relationships with people because at the end of the day, that's what this is, is relationships and recruiting. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the other challenges you have with the pandemic going on is, you know, if this is extended NCAA dead period, we haven't seen anything like this ever mm-hmm. uh, to my knowledge. Um, how, I mean, you guys have still been recruiting. Well, you can't talk about specific stuff, but how challenging has it been to like not, you know, you're a in for, you know, in-person guy where you want to have these relationships and you can't build that. You're doing it over Zoom. Yeah. Is that a bigger challenge for you trying to recruit that way? Well, well, thankfully, we have this where you can actually look people in the eye and, you know, get on a FaceTime, a group FaceTime with family and, and members like that. And, and and one way to spin the positive of this is if you are recruiting someone and maybe they're coming from across the country or three or four hours away and only that young man can make the trip or maybe it's just him and his father will now be a zoom. You can literally talk to aunts, uncles, cousins, whomever, and get the opportunity for them to go on a virtual tour of campus to meet professors, to do all the things is to meet our strength staff, whatever it may be. Um, I think the people that have adapted to this and accepted, this is the new normal are excelling in recruiting right now. And if you're, the people are kind of, well, let's just kind of get through this. Uh, it's not the way to go. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's use this technology that we have to the best that we can. And then, and unfortunately we've got a tremendous product to sell with, with the education, the location, the tra- tradition, history, and now the, the name image and likeness component that, that's going to hit. Uh, this is a perfect storm right now. Yeah. Well, what is the staff approach to, I mean, for local kids, they can, you know, they can come take a visit if they want, but out of state prospects and you guys have recruited a bunch of them. Uh, if they're not allowed to take official visits this fall, does that impact things? And do you think kids might get cold feet, you know, leaving home in December and January, if they didn't really get a chance to, to visit it somewhere, we thought the visits would happen, but they have it. Like, is there some more challenges, I guess, ahead, even if you get yeah, guys committed there, there certainly is at some point, you know, they, they want to come see campus and do those things. Um, but at the same time, with the av- availability of videos, virtual tours, trying to present the best aspect you can of that, but you do not actually get to go kick the tires physically. You don't get to look underneath the hood and, and do that. 
So then it goes back to relationships. You know, the time that I've spent getting, you know, Coach Niver, Coach Shelton, Coach Orlando, Coach Williams, Coach Harrell, Coach Colbert, whomever. Um, those are big because that becomes a, a basically a trust that, Coach, I, I believe that you're going to take care of my son. I believe that you're going to do what's best for him and, and go from there. And fortunately, we have a proven track record at this university of, of doing things the right way, taking care of young men. You know, the things that have been done since the quarantine how our university is, is, has gone above and beyond as far as taking care of our players and student athletes uh, speaks volumes for it. So that stuff has to shine through. So, you know, it's not challenging enough, like moving cross country during a pandemic and like having one practice with your players, getting the season canceled, no visits for recruiting. Then you find out that basically it's a push year. No one's you know, eligibility is going to count. How does that impact how you recruit going forward, knowing that seniors won't count and, you know, in 2020, like you can actually keep them on, you might try to recruit them to stay or go, or, and then knowing in 2022, you might have like this huge freshman class because there's kind of two of them together. Like, is that, but what kind of discussions have you guys had about that? Because roster management down the road seems like it's going to be a real issue. Yeah. Personally for us, the defensive back, it's, it's, it's almost been, I hate to say it, a blessing with no defensive back signed in the, 2020 class there's a huge gap right there gigantic gap uh that we need the 21 the 22 classes to immediately come in and, and, and give us numbers and what we need right there so as far as the defensive back portion of it goes it's, it's actually a blessing honestly um to do that and and uh i believe it's been a great deal for the young men because of the situation because of the unknowns of, of what's going to happen and what's out there I think it's it's going to be a uh, a great situation that everybody will have to handle in in their own way, roster management wise, but opportunity and competition wise, I think it's going to be real fun. Yeah, I guess you guys did have a smaller 2020 class, and I, I wrote, I think that's probably going to be a benefit. That if you had a huge 2020 class, you might not be able to sign as many 2021 guys. If you're a recruit and you look up and you've got a 2019 and a 2020 class for university that signed. 20 to 25 guys and then now you're going to jump in and be another 20 to 25 guys or whatever that is or the the numbers start stacking up uh to our benefit it was a smaller class in 2019 uh 2020 i'm sorry and uh if some players do choose to opt out that also adjusts your roster management too so yeah um it, it, it's going to be adapt improvise and overcome is what it's going to be just another challenge. But what maybe one thing that could be helpful, we don't want to say everything's doom and gloom, um, the fact that you didn't get enough time with the players, this extended sort of offseason, has that, do you think that's helped, like not having a spring, but maybe having this extended offseason to kind of teach them the techniques you want to teach them or the, the overall system with Todd Orlando on the defensive side? I mean, has that made me, maybe been a benefit if you do have a spring season that you have a, you'll be a little bit more of a leg up than if you had to start in the fall? Yeah, it was, it's, it's, you could argue either direction. Uh, the, the huge part of spring practice is going to be the physical implementation, putting pads on, doing that type of deal. Uh, I'm, I'll be the biggest one to tell you, you know, I don't really know what we have until we put the pads on. I've said that before to yeah. you running, run and go strike somebody continuously and, and, and do those things of what football really is. Who knows? Yeah. But at the same time, having more time to really break things down and teach 
this is why we do this. This is the offensive answers to what we do. These are our answers and, and not just teaching what you do, but why you do it. And what are the strengths and weaknesses of that scheme and or defense of what we're trying to get accomplished? We certainly can do right now and are doing. Do you feel the players have kind of uh, adapted to it or reacted well, at least from what they can do? Like you said, they're not putting on pads or anything, but just in the, you know, in the Zoom meetings or whatever, are they kind of, you know, embracing the the new scheme and new system and, and the new techniques techniques you guys are teaching? Yeah. I've been extremely impressed. I've, I'm always kind of hedging and in, in, in seeing, okay, what what's the day it's going to be like, coach, I've had enough of this crap. Come on, dude, let's go. Or, or you know, the, the juice and energy at the, at the walkthroughs and teaching sessions are kind of like, uh, has it come? And, and I've been very impressed with that, of the resilience uh, of what they are going through uh, with, okay, I train for this. It doesn't happen. I get ready for this. It doesn't happen. Again, that mindset of I've got to be prepared for when it does happen is prevailing right now. And it's, it's really impressive to watch and to be experienced and be around these young men uh that are that are fighting through this for lack of a better term and and the people that excel through this team wise it will show up this spring uh should we get that opportunity do you have a you mentioned todd orlando it's a good story with the uh the heismans but any other good orlando stories and there's something maybe that usc fans don't wouldn't know about them that you'd like to share about uh todd orlando um not just a really passionate ball coach. I mean, the, 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 the really cool thing to watch about T.O. is, I mean, the guy's a former linebacker at Wisconsin. I mean, the guy's spilled 4,000 ISOs in one practice probably in his life back in the day when football was real football. A tenacious, tough-ass competitor. But uh, what's really unique about him, uh, he's extremely ahead of the game. And on game day, you see this extremely calm, collected guy uh, that's calling a game, but his wheels are spinning a thousand miles an hour with uh, adjustments and what's my next call and what's going on and things like that. Uh, at the same time, when he's around the players in a practice, man, he's he's freaking forty-seven packs of dynamite. I mean, he's getting after it and going. So uh, that's that's really cool about him in that regard. Yeah, and a very, very humble guy. I mean, he's uh, never once going to you know pat himself on his back or anything like that. He's just going to work and grind and get after it. And, and, and that's really refreshing to see. I uh, just, sorry, I didn't have a picture of him ready. I just had to add that on the fly. Um, to, you know, we're doing this, whatever we can here during the COVID stuff. The, Great job. Another challenge, uh, you know, would be we're in this limbo period right now, right? Where the Pac-12, the big, uh, the, the big 10 aren't playing the SEC, the ACC and the big 12 might, we don't know if they will. There's been some up and downs. Um, is there is recruiting a little bit different right now? And would it be, would you have a clearer path if you knew the SEC and the ACC, if they were playing versus if they're not, like if they cancel the season, does that sort of change how you recruit? Cause I'm sure there's going to be some negative recruiting. If some school, you know, some power negative five conferences recruiting? are going for it. Oh, that would never happen. <laughs> talking about negative recruiting. <laughs> What's that? Um, no, it's, 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 what you make of it. I mean, if you want yeah. to worry about the negative recruiting and what are they, let them say what they want. If it makes them feel better. Great. Go right after it. We know what we have. We know the product we have. We, we know what's here. We know what we're doing for our young men. And it, it's our job to get that across in a positive manner. 
Um, and if, if you want to go to negative recruiting, then I think that's just a simple fact of what should you expect once you get there as a young man or as a family having their young man there. So uh, the negative recruiting stuff, I think, turns more people off more than it is effective at the end of the day. Yeah, I think for the, for the that you want eventually to be in your program and be around. Let's let's always remember that whoever you do sign, you've got them for four or five years. So you better be damn certain it's the right guy. Yeah. And I, and I think you can, I, I forgot who I talked to at USC, but they were talking about, well, that's something you can turn around too. It's like, well, we're, we're taking player safety a lot more seriously than they are. So, I mean, there, there's other things you can say, you know, as far as like, you, you said know, it, I didn't. Yeah. There's things like that. Um, did that make you nervous at all? Like you could potentially sign a bunch of players in this recruiting class that you've never even seen in person and you, they didn't, you didn't get to visit campus and, and you are going to have them for four or five years. I mean, that's another challenge. I keep bringing up challenges. Sorry, but does no, that make I, you nervous at all? You know? No, fortunately, uh, of, of the young men that, that uh, by NCAA rules, I can't say their name right. uh, right. of, of who are coming in one young man uh, at the previous university I was at, I actually met him there. He came and took a trip out there uh, in previous years. So I knew him. Um, the other young man I were able to meet in February 1st when, uh, sorry, March 1st, if I'm correcting my dates, because February was dead when that opened back up and, and, and doing all that stuff. And then, uh, also trusting D Dante's evaluation of what he thought about guys when he was able to see these guys firsthand, um, and doing that stuff. So I, I do think you get a strong sense of who a young man and family are through this time we've had with the quarantine and things like that. And uh, again, using the resources that you still have to your benefit can get you a great gauge on that young man. And, and honestly, with more free time, although I cannot go to that school's campus, which I'm big on, if I go to a campus, I'll just start walking the hallways. And if I see a teacher, I'll just randomly grab them. Hey, do you know uh, Johnny? And she'll immediately give you like a, eh, or she'll just start, saying how much she loves him. Um, I'll grab a janitor. I'll grab somebody that works in the, in the, uh, in the, in the cafeteria and just bring that young man's name up. I, I don't get that resource right now, but I can expand out to talk to as many people with that school community trainers, whatever, to get a good sense for that young man. I'll try to pull up a couple of uh, social media questions and we'll uh, let you, I know you got, I'm sure you got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, you got, got, a your, Padre, got a Dodgers and Giants doubleheader on deck right now. Oh, they're start. Oh, so they're doing a doubleheader today. Isn't that weird? Seven innings, like doubleheaders and stuff. It's like high school baseball all over again. Yeah. Would you like the uh, put a, put a guy on second for extra innings? What's funny is my son plays select baseball. That's been their uh, overtime tiebreaker rule for since he was tiny. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I, I want to punch myself in the face when nobody <laughs> wants the bunt to run over. <laughs> second to third and, and and try to play for the beginning. I just, but anyway, that's a whole, totally different story. Yeah. Uh, so here's a Facebook question. Uh, what do you feel is the strength of the USC's defense? I don't know if you can tell, you know, you've only seen one practice, but. Um, honestly, I couldn't answer that question. Uh, right now we do have experience in the back end um, and experience up front as well. So the fact that some of these young men have been on the field and have played and then been in the in the, in the fight uh, is probably the best thing that's the strength of it right now is just experience. 
One of the things that when people talk to me about, and I, I mean, usually your coaches aren't going to talk about what happened in previous years, but to me, I felt like this was a pretty stacked roster as far as linebacker talent goes, and it just didn't seem to be utilized. And I'm saying, you know, Todd Orlando's a linebacker guy. Um, would it be fair to say that, you know, he works to get the most out of his, his linebackers? Does a hell of a job. Yeah. Does a good job. Yeah. And it's, well, if you want to put four, five safeties, you're going to take some linebackers off too. He probably won't like that. That's what I'm out there running at people. <laughs> we had a nice comment. Uh, I like Coach Nivar. He sounds like a top notch, caring, honest man. Fight on. Are, so, you're, uh, yeah. I don't know where they're, <laughs> what I owe you on that one. Let me know. <laughs> Let me check over on uh, YouTube. Uh, so uh, the new, new zoo guru, what is the coach's approach to defending the spread? And will training against Graham Harrell's offense help? Yeah, one of the one of the big things that training against Graham's offense is tempo, uh, having to practice against the speed of that offense and, and things like that. You know, that's not been a gigantic factor in college football really the last five or six years because everybody experiences that all the time. Um, it was almost funny at my previous university when somebody would actually get in the huddle, our guys would freak out. Uh, I know when we played Utah in the bowl game, we literally would practice for the first three or four days of it, the scout team getting in a huddle and breaking a huddle because it was so foreign to what we had seen in that previous conference um, as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, the, the spread is putting speed in space and, and uh, covering the field and covering every blade of grass and tackling well in space is another gigantic component to that. And then uh, one last one, also from New Zoo Guru. Uh, what was it like coaching Deshaun Elliott? Deshaun Elliott was was outstanding. Uh, he's got a. I just got off an interview a few minutes ago from a reporter in Baltimore, asking about him. And I think with Earl's departure, that's going to uh, bump Deshaun up into a, a starting role right now. And and where he goes from that's up to him. But uh, an electric player uh, kind of had his breakout game in the Coliseum. Uh, when he picked Sam a couple times and uh, and took it from there. He was a he was a backup as a sophomore and was a Thorpe finalist as a junior. So it was awesome to see his career, uh, his work ethic and, and what he did uh, going forward. But a very fun, fun player and and uh, tremendous young man and, and uh, one of my favorites. Do you uh, keep in touch with a lot of your former players and, you know, see how they're doing if they move on to the NFL or wherever yeah. they do in life. I do. I, I try to not wear them out, uh, but I do try to stay in contact with them and, and, you know, send them a message here and there. And, and what's really cool is my son on Sundays, you know, he'll watch the NFL games and, and uh, Sunday night, he'll tell me, okay, here's what, here's what Deshaun did. Here's what PJ did. Here's what this guy did. Here's what they'll give me the whole rundown on, on who did what stat wise and game wise. And, and, and people always ask me, what's your, what's your favorite NFL team? I said, it's whomever has got guys that, that I've coached that play on those teams. I root for those young men and, and those teams. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly on a different scale because we're like, you're working with the players, we're covering them. But I enjoy, like, I remember covering Mark Sanchez when he was, you know, at Mission Viejo High School and then at USC. And then you can, you know, you build some the relationships scout. with these guys. And then they go, you watch them in the NFL and then like, you see him, we both speak at the same event or something afterwards. And you're like, Hey, Martin's like, man, I've known you since you were 16 years old. Like it's, it 
blows your mind. Like, you know, you get, and obviously your relationship is so much stronger because you're working with them all the time, but we just, from the outside, it's still kind of a cool thing. And it just pisses me off when they go to a different team and I got to buy my son a different jersey with a different. <laughs> I mean, they're at the Eagles now, they're with the Vikings now. Dad, can I get one of these? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we appreciate the time. Um, hopefully, you know, you're staying safe. Are you doing like, do you like golf or what do you do? Like, what do you do outside of, uh, you know, football stuff? You're trying to stay busy or what do you, what do you end up doing? Leisure time right now is watch the, thank God for the MLB app. We watch all the baseball games and walk three feet right there and put something on the pit and have some fun. All right. We'll do that. But if you get it, if you, you know, put a mask on, you want to go outside, go check out Roscoe's chicken and waffles. It's just, I think it's not that far from you. It's uh no. Legit place, you know. I'd love, you know, if you like that, I love the. Uh, you well, know. No, I mean, without a doubt, no. It's once once everything kind of clears up, I'm there. Do you do any like fried chicken stuff, or is it all? It's like mostly beef and pork and too, stuff. Too much of a mess. I I start getting flour and grease going. I I might burn this damn thing down. Nice. All right. Well, Craig Naver, follow him on Twitter. I'll put up his Twitter handle, uh, Coach underscore Naver. It's really been fun. Thank you for spending some time with us, and uh, oh. good luck going forward. Thanks so much. Much appreciated. Fight on. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.